small introduction. <clears throat> uh, so many things I want to say, but I know there's certain things I need to say. And so that's the most important thing, right? We want to do what God is telling us to do. Um, I have a whole wonderful message that I came up with a number of weeks ago when I found out I had the opportunity to preach today. And I'm a, a real strong believer that there is a word for a certain people at a certain season at a certain time. And so I wanted to be very sensitive to that. And so as we prayed this morning, I heard a confirming word through Aslan as he prayed for me. He, said, he made a reference to a phrase, and it's a scripture verse that I was thinking about, talking about. And so that was the Holy Spirit telling me, okay, you share that today. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, Gloria and I have been in this church for almost 10 years now, and it's been a very wonderful journey um, walking with Heart of the City Church, and uh, it's awesome to be a part of this church and this experience. I, I myself am very humbled to be a part of the eldership team. The elders that are leading you as a church are awesome people. They have a heart for God and a heart for serving you and a heart for seeing you being prosperous and find out God's will and desire for your life and to follow it with passion and desire. <clears throat> Before I start, I'm going to pray real quick. Can you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share with your people. And Father, I pray that those things you put in my heart, Lord, the things that you want them to hear today at this time in this season are the things that you bring to my remembrance and to my heart and my lips, Lord. We just set aside this time that you'll be glorified and honored in everything that we say and do and that you will be lifted up. Jesus, be lifted up today, Lord as we uh, share your heart and your desire for this people at this time, and we give this time over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, three years ago, I had a really unusual experience. I was standing over here. Um, Tracy Armstrong was praying over people during the sound three years ago. He walked over here, and he's praying for people. And I don't know if he prayed this over other people, but I'm standing over here ministering to people. He comes up near me, and then he puts his hand lightly on my head, and he says, fire. And then my body went, ta-da, I totally collapsed. And so I'm laying over here on the carpet wondering, what is happening? I didn't ask for this. And so I expected, okay, I'm laying on the floor. I got slain in the spirit, right? And so I'm expecting God to say something to me. Well, he didn't. I hear voices, people talking, chatting, you know, like nothing's happening, nothing profound. I finally had someone help me get up off the carpet because I couldn't move. I stagger over to the front row where, where Jess is sitting, and I think Elliot was helping me, dragging me, dragging me, helping me to go sit in the chair after half an hour of laying on the carpet. And then my wife asked me a question, honey, are you okay? And I went, I couldn't talk. My, my mouth didn't work. And so then... We were going to a meeting with the speakers at a restaurant later on, and I'm still in the state of babbling, and my body wasn't responding the way it's supposed to. I remember being at the restaurant, and Craig Brown asked me a question, Clark, how are you doing? And I laughed. I, I couldn't. <laughs> I just, who is this guy? <laughs> I asked him a question, and he laughs at me. So anyway, the, the waiter came over, and he went to take our order, and he goes, sir, what would you like? And I go... Uh, I kind of smiled and then pointed to my wife, and then she ordered for me because I couldn't carry on a conversation. Wow. And so 
Now, at that time, I was a late person. I was a evening person. For me, getting up early in the morning was like the most radical, tough thing for me to do. And so that morning after, about four hours after having that experience, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and the Holy Spirit had me go pray. Went to the living room and prayed for a number of hours. Praying in the Spirit and then I prayed this strange phrase and I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to bring this phrase today because it, it kind of relates to what's happening, what God's going to bring, I believe, into our church. I'm praying this phrase. I've only shared it with a few people before, but the Holy Spirit was praying through me, buses, trains, and planes. Buses, trains, and planes. Buses, trains, and planes. And I couldn't stop saying this phrase, buses, trains, and planes. And then if I started uh, praying this phrase, I begin to see in the Spirit people from uh, Maine getting on a bus. People from New Hampshire getting on a bus, chartering a bus. People from other places in like North Carolina and, and Florida. I saw them in the spirit charter a train. They got onto the train. I, I saw people getting onto planes and they were chartering those vehicles to go to a certain place. Guess where that place was? Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Wow. Three years ago. And so I kept on praying. Buses, trains, and planes, buses, trains, and planes, buses, trains, and planes, buses, trains, and planes. I couldn't stop praying that phrase. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, the Father doesn't want visitation. He wants habitation. He, the Father wants to inhabit. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. The Holy Spirit is saying, I am preparing this place for the Father to come, not just to visit, to have a habitation. When I first came to the heart of the city uh, 10 years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. That I think it was the second time we're in this church. Um, I can't share the specifics, but I felt like this is a very special place. God is going to visit this place. And I believe that we're now entering into the season. We're into a season where the Holy Spirit is going to visit us in a very wonderful, profound, and dynamic way that you have not even dreamed of. Woo. And I'm getting really excited. There are things happening. There's something happening in the spirit. There's something happening in this atmosphere where God is getting people ready for them to be visited by him and not just experience a revival. I don't even like using that word anymore, but I believe that God is saying it's not going to be revival where I bring those things that were dead back to life, but is going to be a great awakening. Amen? And I believe that God is preparing his people for an awakening. And as the people of God begin to wake up to the power of the Holy Spirit, as Pastor talked about, those dead bones coming alive, they were dead. There was no life there. But then the Holy Spirit comes, gets them stirred up, gets them moving like a whirlwind, and then they have the power and the anointing of God in their life. It makes a change not only in their life, but the people that have contact with them. It changes them and it rearranges the way that they look at life. It's a great awakening. People that were dead and asleep are beginning to wake up. And they not only get waked up, they get mildly wakened to something powerful and brand new. I got a confirmation. I kind of struggle with even sharing that this morning because it's not a part of my preaching notes here. Okay? So um, Aslan, was, Aslan was praying for me this morning. And he said a phrase. He said a new thing. I was praying and meditating about what's happening and from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, the Holy Spirit led me to this, and I'm going to 
share it with you today that it will give you hope that God is up to something. He's doing something profound and something unusual unusual in our daytime, never before seen on the face of planet Earth. It's something that is unbelievably different. God is into different things. He's into unusual things. He's into doing things, things that people haven't seen before. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. If you can go with me right now. Here we go. Isaiah 43, verse 19. Oh, verse 18 is really good too, so we'll throw that in too. My wife loves it when I back up, by the way. So here we go. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Don't consider them. Don't meditate on them. Don't say, it's always been this way. It will never change. And God is saying, wait a minute. Hold the phone. That's an old term from way back when. Hold the phone. Because now in verse 19, he says, behold, I will do a new thing. Can you say new? Say it again. New. God is doing a new thing on planet earth. There is something happening in the atmosphere that the, the, the people that are walking in their natural senses don't understand. They sense it's a little bit different, but there's something brand new happening in the spirit realm. There is so much spiritual activity at days and times I can feel the spirit moving. I hear the, the brushes that were of angels' wings wrestling and uh, moving because they are so engaged in the work that God is doing. God is moving in your atmosphere and you're many times aren't even aware of it. There are earthly visitations from heaven coming to earth on a daily basis. God is getting ready to move in your life. He's getting ready to visit you. I wanted to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready? It's a new thing. A new thing. So I'm going to share, I have shared this very few times with people. I've only shared it one publicly. In November of, ni- not 19, November of 2016, I'm walking into the church and the, the Holy Spirit dropped this phrase in my heart. And it, to me, it was very unusual, very bizarre at first. And I heard him say, a new renaissance. And I'm a new renaissance, what does that mean? I don't, I don't even know what that means. So I had to go back and look up what the word renaissance means. It comes from the uh, 1700s from Europe where they changed and they transitioned from the dark ages where people were doing very little. They didn't go anywhere. They lived in these fiefdoms or the kingdoms and these kings had these little tiny empires where they, they ruled the people. But in the renaissance, those things changed. Those old systems of relating to people were broken down and that there was new travel and new communication and new things were happening. The old boundaries were being broken down and ran over. Those boundaries that were there before no longer were in place and those people that were in authority lost their authority because there was a new way of doing things. Are you hearing me? A new thing. In the days of the first renaissance, the old ways were broken. The old ways were forgotten. The old days were left in the past. And there was something new, something vital, something impactful that caused people to live life differently because they saw life differently. They could see and they could believe that God would do some new and profound things in their life. And so we're entering church into a new renaissance. So I'm going to prophesy today like I've never prophesied before because this is a new day on the 
face of planet earth, the things that you looked at, behold, there's some new things happening. Don't consider the old ways. Isaiah 43 verse 18 says, forget about the past. Forget about the past. Don't compare the past with the present or the future because God's doing something new in you. Time to get out of the zoo and believe he's going to do something with you. It's that time and it's that season. There's a reason for the season. You're going to go into a new place with a lot more grace, with a smile on your face. Woo! Praise the Lord. That's not my message. <laughs> but maybe it is. Behold, I do a new thing. It will spring forth. We are in the springtime. In the natural, we are in the spring and the, the, the atmosphere is beginning to warm up. And I believe that's a, a sign of what's happening in the spirit. Things are starting to warm up. We were once in the cold and in the old where the snow was on the ground and the sun's coming up and the sun's beginning to melt the frost, the frost and the frozen things and the snow that's on the ground. And God's doing something new in me and something new in you. That's the time and the season that we're in. God's going to get the glory because we're going to tell his gospel story to the very end. I do a new thing. It will spring forth. And shall you not know it? You're going to know it because God's going to show it. Because those things that you trusted in the past are not going to be able to be leaned upon anymore. Because God is requiring of you, church, that you step into a new arena. As it were, you've been standing on the edge of the boxing ring and you've watched the people out in the boxing ring punching and, and banging one another with their boxing gloves. And you said, that's really entertaining. That's really cool. That's really awesome. I'm glad I played, paid 50 uh, bucks for my ticket to watch this boxing match go on. But God is saying it's time to stop watching the match and to begin to put on your boxing gloves because it's that time and that season God is saying it's a new time and a new season. You're going to get in to the ring and you're going to do what I'm telling you to do because it's a new season and it's a new time in your life. It's a new thing he's doing. Doing a new thing in you. It shall spring forth and don't you know it? You're going to know it and your life's going to show it. It's time for the poet. Woo! <laughs> my, wife, my wife warned me. I love my wife. She's Holy Spirit number two in my life. I thank you for Holy Spirit number two. Holy Spirit number two said, don't rhyme too much today. I said, okay, we'll see what happens. <laughs> God is good all the time, every day, and in every way. God is always good. Amen? He's going to make a road in the wilderness. Believe, people of God, that God is going to do something new in you. You're going to get out of the zoo and begin to do something new. Believe that God's going to make a road in the wilderness where all there was is sticks and rocks and dry ground and nothing was going on. And God's going to say, I'm going to use you. Yes, you, raise your hand. I'm going to be used by God. God's going to anoint you and appoint you for a time and a season, no matter what the reason. I'm going to be pleasing him because that's what I want to do. Whew, I'll get to my notes eventually. Or maybe not. I don't know. Holy Spirit speaking to us. 
When life gets bad and we feel like we need to cuss, remember that the Holy Spirit's alive in us. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. Oh, my goodness. I had a vision yesterday. I had a vision of what the church, I was supposed to talk about the church. Maybe we'll just do little bits and pieces. But I saw the church. The, the, the church in the Bible is, is shown as a woman, a bride. And I saw the bride with a beautiful white dress on. And a number of people have said the, it's the bride with army boots on. Because they're going to go to war. But the, the, the bride that I saw, she took off her army boots and put on these really glittery, glittery, that's a hard word to say, glittery uh, shoes, dress shoes, and they had stiletto heels on them. And I go, that's kind of unusual. Why is she going from army boots to stiletto heels? And I felt the Holy Spirit was saying, well, she's gone to war, and it's now time to kick the devil's head a little bit more. Those stiletto shoes that were stomping on the head of the devil like this. Once, twice, doing it nice. One more time. See him. Oh, yeah. Knock his head down. And that's from, if you're wondering, where's that in the Bible? Romans chapter 15 talks about in due time, God shall place Satan under your head. You're going to crush his head until he's dead, Fred, and he's not going to be able to rise again. He's going to stop his line even though he keeps on trying. He's going to give you the grace to run your race as you seek his face. It's a good thing. God is good all the time, every day, and in every way. I'm running out of time, of course. So <laughs> that clock goes really fast. <laughs> Okay, let's go to the book of Matthew. This is, I will share a little bit of my message today that I originally came up with. I prayed that, that they would, we, we would have an encouraging word. Information is important because information gets us into line. But information is only good to a certain point. We need information that is weaved into inspiration because in, inspiration will get us to do what God wants us to do. We can have all the information that we have, but if we have no gas on our tank, our car will continue to sit on the curb going nowhere but collecting dust and rust and nothing ever really happens. So God is saying to us today, I want to inspire you. I want to encourage you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You ain't seen nothing yet. You thought you'd seen some really good stuff. I'm here to tell you there's a new renaissance on its way. There is a new thing happening in planet Earth. And God's going to be gracious enough to begin to pour out His Spirit upon the heart of the city and the heart of the all. The place that's your home and the place where you reside. God is saying, I'm going to pour out my Spirit and it's going to be powerful. Something you've never seen before. I'm going to do a brand new thing. So what's Jesus up to? I believe Jesus is up to something. We're going to read from the book of Matthew, the first uh, book in the New Testament, and Jesus is up to something. You know, we all want to be like Jesus. Anybody in this building, raise your hand if you think that you want to be like Jesus. I got a few hands, maybe half. Good. Hopefully by the end it will be the rest of you. So, 
I, when I came to Jesus, I want to be like you, Jesus, because I know you love me. No matter what, no matter where I go, whatever I do, Jesus, you still love me. You never left me, and you never forsook me. Even when I felt like the most loneliest person in all the world, when I was a nine-year-old boy, I laid in my bedroom and I cried my eyes out until my sinuses were so dry there was nothing left of them. What are you crying for? My best friend and mentor, my older brother, had died that day, died in a tragic lumber accident at 15 years of age. My friend and my mentor was gone. I had no one else. I laid in my bedroom at night and it was quiet. I never heard his voice anymore. I knew I'd never ever see him again on planet earth. However, I knew my brother knew this guy named Jesus. And so I invited Jesus into my life. And I said, Jesus, I need you. I want to see my brother John again. And then I know what I do. If I, if I can have Jesus in my life, I'll be, I'll be able to see my brother again. And so I invited Jesus into my life after crying for a few hours. And as I did that, I sensed there was a new presence in the room. Somebody showed up in my room. And it wasn't just me anymore. It was Jesus who came. And the Bible says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And you know, sometimes there is no other. Because he's the brother. And he'll never smother you. He'll give you grace to live in the space that he gave to you. All right, back to the Bible. <laughs> I promised I would stay in the fences, Lord. And I'm going to stay in the fences. I'm not going to go over the fence. And I promised... Holy Spirit number two, I wouldn't get off the trail and go down a side trail, so we're not going to do that, <laughs> even though it's tempting. Um, I can be long-winded at times, so, so give me grace. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to find out what Jesus is up to. It's on the Sky Bible? Yes, it is. Good. Praise the Lord. So here we go. From verses 13 to 18, I'm going to read them very quickly. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say, John the Baptist. Now you've got to realize he's asking his disciples. These are people who've been with him for over uh, two and a half years. It's about a week, no, it's a few months before Jesus is going into Jerusalem to be crucified as the ransom for mankind's sins. And so he's asking these guys, he's basically asking, okay, what are they saying about me? They said, well, you're John the Baptist or, or uh, you're one of the other prophets or, uh, 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 or somebody else. And Jesus then asked them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you Say that I am. You've seen the things that I've done. You've seen the things that I've said. You've seen the things that I've done. And you've seen the people's lives that I've touched. What have you gotten out of my experience with you guys? And then our favorite character in the New Testament pipes up. I love Peter. Peter's always piping up. Peter the Piper Upper, right? Hey, I know it. Jesus. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, 
The son of the living God. He didn't say you're the son of some other God, but it's the living God. And that's the good news is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is a living God. He's not on vacation. He's not dead. He doesn't get tired even though we get tired. And he doesn't retire. He doesn't get tired all over again. But God is on our side. He's always there. He's always square. He's always for us. He's never against us. So he said, you are... The son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I'm going to stop here for just a second. I'm really running out of time. But I wanted to emphasize that Peter got a revelation from a supernatural source. A supernatural source. He had seen Jesus ministering to people day after day after day doing miracles and signs and wonders. And yet, they didn't pick up that this this could be the Son of God. This could be the Messiah. Or maybe they thought of that and never said it. So Jesus said, God the Father has revealed this to you, Peter. This is a revelation. It's not a meditation. It wasn't revealed to you through medication or anything that rhymes with revelation. It was something powerful and dynamic that my father gave you. He opened up your eyes and you began to realize that I'm a little bit different. You are the son of the living God. And so here's the point I want to point out today. This is the whole uh, subject of the message I was going to talk about. We'll fight away for another day. It was a good one. So here we go. (laughs) And I will say to you that you are Peter. Peter, his name in the Greek means Petros. Write that down if you're a Greek scholar. Thank you, Craig, and write that down for me. Thank you. It's Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S. Petros, meaning small stone. I love you, Craig. You're awesome. (laughs) I love you. You are awesome. Petros means a small stone. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. That rock that he talks about is a different word. It's the feminine uh, use of the word Petros and it's the word Petra. Anybody ever used to listen to Petra? Petra, the music band. I was raised on Petra. Yeah. Righteous rock and roll will save your soul. Come on. So it's Petra, the rock. It's a big rock. There was a place in Israel. It was called Petra, the city of Petra. It was on a big, high, giant, almost a mountain. It was inaccessible except for one little trail to go from the bottom to the top top of Petra. It was a fortress that the Israelites went to in the uh, uh, 780 A.D. And there's only one way to get there, and they lived there for many, many years because they had supplies in Petra. It was a big, big rock, not a little tiny rock. And that's what he's talking about. It's the Petra. He said, on this rock, this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that's what I started off the message with today. There is something coming in the spirit and you're going to begin to see it because you are part of that thing that Jesus is building. I forgot to mention that Jesus was the son of a carpenter, right? Did I mention that? His natural father, his name was Joseph. And he was a carpenter. He built things. He built things. That's what carpenters do. So the son of a carpenter is saying in verse 18, I'm going to build something too. A place for me and you. For Gentiles and Jew. 
to get out of whatever you need to do, you're going to find a way that there is no other way because you are now in this church that I'm building. Everyone who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you immediately get born again and get transplanted into a spiritual kingdom, into a spiritual place where grace flows like a river. He said, I'm building this church, and there's something about this church. I'm building a church so powerful, so dynamic, so wonderful, so awesome, that the gates of hell, where the devil resides in his pride and his deceit and his evil division, Jesus said, those gates of hell will never, ever prevail against my church, the church that I'm building. And it's not the church made out of wood or lumber or stone. It's made out of people. Don't have time, but first, first Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9 talks about we are living stones put together by the Spirit of the living God. And because we are in that place, we found His grace. God is doing something powerful. You are an edifice, a building where God is abiding and residing. You are that church if you are a believer and a receiver in Jesus' name.